Thanks, Chris. Am I on Monday? Nope. <laughs> I says power, so. All right, we're good. Um, I'm not Bobby. <laughs> I have too much hair. Ah! <laughs> I had to go one. I'm Jacob. Most of you don't know me. I'm the uh, chief financial officer here at the church, but no, I will not be talking about money today. So, <clears throat> they've given me an opportunity to speak to you guys about some things that go on in my life um, and about marriage. So, let's pray and then we'll get started. God, we love you. Father God, I just pray that um, today, as we talk about the things that, that you've laid on my heart, God, that I don't get in the way. I just pray that you will touch marriages today. Break down the barriers that we've built up with our selfish pride. Help us to become more unified in you to make our marriages great, not just good. God, we love you. Amen. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys something, just a little bit about me and my wife, Holly. Uh, my wife, Holly, sitting in the back. We have been married, it'll be in August, it'll be 10 years, it's August 31st, and the reason I know that is because she's nicely put it in my ring right here, so I would never forget my, <clears throat> my anniversary. We have two beautiful kids, um, Ryan, who's almost two, will be two in April, and Rebecca, who's six months. So yes, we have two kids under two at our house. It is interesting, to say the least. Um, you might ask, we've been married 10 years, okay, so what took you guys so long? We had what most like most people in the Christian church don't want to talk about. We had infertility issues. Too much touchy, sorry, I know. Seven years we dealt with infertility, um, and that's a struggle. If you're going through that, you talk to us, because we've been there and we got that t-shirt. So, just want to leave that with you guys. <clears throat> Raising a two-year-old and a six-month-old is, is interesting. My two-year-old has now learned the word no and likes to use it all the time. A six-month-old, not so much yet. We're working on that, but we'll, well, she's not talking yet. But my two-year-old keeps bringing a book to us. So we are in part of the Imagination Library uh, here in, in Anderson County where they send you a nice little book every couple months. And this is now my fun, son's favorite new book. It's called The Minosaur. Because everything in it is mine, mine, mine. So, at the age of two, we're having to deal with selfishness and pride. So, this is the root cause of what I'm going to be speaking about today, is about selfishness and pride in all of our marriages. I'm going to start with uh, two scriptures that are not on the screen. I'm, I'm just going to throw them out there for you guys. In Proverbs, which is one of my second favorite books of the Bible, uh, Solomon wrote here in uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. He said, to, f- to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And this is God's reply. He says, God, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and persuasive speech. So... We get to the root of God hates this thing that we put in our marriages, we put in our lives, and the barriers that we have, which is pride. In, in James chapter 4, which is my favorite book of the Bible, um, chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but He shows favor to the humble. 
So today, I'm gonna, what I'm going to teach you about is not something I'm really good at. And for a month and a half, I've known about this, and I've tried to read this scripture at least every two days, and try to just let it sink in my mind, and sink in my heart, and just really God changed me. Because it's been, if you get a minute portion of what God's taught me through this, I'll be good with what I've done today. And I'll feel blessed to be privileged to speak from this stage. The big idea for you guys is I want everyone to know that we all face pride and we all face issues. I'm going to talk a lot about marriage, but single people, hey, I'm not going to forget you. Um, you are probably more prideful than married, married people and more selfish. And especially in this society, in this day and age, you go to Starbucks and you expect them to hand you your coffee and within three to five minutes or you go to McDonald's and there's like a little clock there. You want your food immediately. You have an instant gratification. You don't want to wait for anything in the society. We all don't. I mean, it's not just single people. But singles have more of an issue because you, in general, don't have to get permission or, or talk about it with someone else. You just think about it, do it, done. So there's no, there's no kickback or, or monitoring of your, your actions and your reactions about things. So my advice to you, if you want to be married, yeah, that's find someone that's the opposite sex that, and start a relationship, and God will bless that. And then if you want to get married, talk to Bobby. We'll do some marriage counseling with you. So... I'm going to hit more married people today, but if you want to be married, this is really some things that you need to just camp out on and think about. So every, every spouse is either a selfish lover or a servant lover. Uh-oh. That means I'm going to be talking about sex today, too. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Healthy marriage and sex requires two servant lovers. So what do I mean by this? So there's three categories of a marriage. First category is... You have two selfish and proud people that I don't want to give in to you. You don't want to give in to me. I want to go to somewhere else to eat. You don't want to go where I want to eat. I don't really care what you want. I want to do what I want. Or you have the second category, which is the selfish, proud person and the humble servant. This is the person that likes, I like to call the doormat in the relationship, where one of you is... is very dominant over the other one. And, I, and it, that's not how God intended marriage, and that's not how He intended your relationships. And number three is a humble servant. Two humble servants. This is how we want you guys to strive for. I mean, there's points in your marriage where you're going to have each one of the three. But our goal is to, is to look at our marriages and think about them and move towards this third one, which is the humble servant. It's two humble servants. Since we all have issues with pride, there's really only one place for us to go and look, and that's the Scriptures and what God has to say. I'm going to be speaking out of two of, of Paul's epistles today. The first one I'm going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 2, so if you want to turn there. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what God has to say about marriage. I'm going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and then we're, we're going to go back and talk about a couple of them. So bear with me. If you have any encouragement from being unified with Christ, if any comfort from love, if any fellowship with, with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make 
my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but at the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Sometimes I just want to really go, man, Paul had his stuff together. If you, some background about Philippians, if you don't know this. Paul wrote this while he was in house... He wrote this book while he was in uh, house arrest, waiting for uh, his sentence in Rome. So he's sitting in a house probably at least 600 to six, or 60 to about 680 or 68 AD. Excuse me, 680. 60 to 68 A.D., somewhere in there, that time frame. So just so you understand some of the background of that. So it's just awesome to see that all the things that he wrote in his in his works. So let's let's cap out. I'm gonna I'm gonna I have five points. I mean, you know, I came from a Baptist church, so I don't have a poem, but I got five points based upon this scripture. Um, in verse cha- chapter two, verses three and four, it says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit." But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of, you, each of you should look not only at your own interests, but at the interests of others. Um, this is my version of it. We need to get over ourselves. And that is what Paul's, I think Paul's trying to say here today. Is sometimes in your relationship, you are not God. Let's go to verse 5. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Christ is our example for everything, guys. The, we're going to talk a lot today about the marriage when we get to Corinthians, but Christ's example for us is, is that of humility and service. Christ did not have to come here. He chose to come here. The last thing, last song we sung was is about Jesus' blood. If you're not a Christian today, that's what covers you. Accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior covers the sin and iniquity that you have, allowing you to learn how to be humble. Because we have a lot of selfishness and pride that is innate in us as, as from a young age that I am now being able to experience that there's no way to get over that without Christ's help. And you probably don't ever get over it, but you move past the attitude of that. Chapter uh, Verse 6. It says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What we need to understand is the deity of Christ. We've talked a lot here about at this church about 
God being one in, in, in spirit and truth. And if you ever want to study the Trinity, I mean, you can go, go back and look at many places in the Bible where God talks about, and Jesus is referenced as being part of that Trinity, being one in union with God. And if you don't believe me, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's talking about Jesus. The reference is there. Just think about that, because verses 7 and 8 says, But made himself nothing, taking very nature a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the ultimate example of humility. Taking up something for all of us. The sin that we have committed in the past and the sin we will commit in the future. God took that on Himself in a, in a form of a cross, shed His blood, and died for us. That is something we should never get over. Verses 9 through 11, I'm going to read them here. It says, Therefore God exalted Himself to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that a name of Jesus every knee should bow and in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, verse eleven, or verse ten, excuse me, the where it says every knee should bow, on heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's a reference to um, Revelation, where it talks about that at the end of the age, that no matter what, everyone will have to acknowledge that Christ is Lord, and then have to bow to Him. So either you do it now or you do it later. Your choice. So, my big points out of that were those, but I just want to make sure that we all understand that instant gratification is not something that you're going to get with your marriage. This is something, marriages you have to work at. It is like Proverbs says, it's iron sharpening iron and making it sharper. Your marriage is something that you... You have to work at, and most of the things that people think that you have to work at are the big things, but that's really, once you've been married for a long time, you understand that big things, you can kind of sort of agree to disagree or do something. It's the little stuff that bugs you. 90% of your marriage is the little stuff. I mean, some of the first fights that we, I'm going to go be transparent with everybody now. Some of the first fights that we ever had was, how do you put the toilet paper on the roll that makes sure that everybody's happy in the whole family? <laughs> Up? Or does it go under? I mean, this is, there's two different ways. I'm telling you. You don't think that's there. Or do you put the cap on the toothpaste or do you not leave the cap on the toothpaste? My thing that I do all the time that I get in trouble for, and I don't care to tell everybody, is we both wear contacts. I never shut the top of the contact lid where the, it's so it's it open, and I always get yelled at for it. Shut that. So... I told Holly, I gave her permission. I said, if I say anything on stage today that makes you mad, wait until I get in the car and then you can smack me on the shoulder. So. When we talk about that 90% of things that get, get in problem, I'm going to go start heading towards the uh, interesting part of the sermon today, or discussion. A lot of problems that we have, we carry into our bedroom in marriage. That puts barriers in between us and our, our spouses that cause um, there to be sexual frustration. Um, we could talk about if it's 
so bad you can cause other medical issues that I'm not going to really talk about because I'm going to try to keep that kind of PG. Um, they just have a lot of commercials for them, let's put it that way. <laughs> let's look at what Paul says in, in Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Paul says this, this is his example of what marriage should be. This whole section, if you want to read it, you can read this, chapter 7, if you, with your spouse, if you want to. I'm going to give you another section at the, in uh, Song of Solomon later. The husband should fulfill his marital duties to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but to also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except at a mutual consent and for, and for a time so that you may be devoted to yourselves to prayer. Two things I want to say before I get... Just because that says your body doesn't belong to you gives no husband ever the right to hit a woman. That really, that really hits home with my family. So I, I, I won't go there. But. And in chapter, in verse five, it says, "Do not deprive each other, as, except for mutual consent and for a time, so that you may to be devoted yourself to prayer." Okay, so now we're going to talk about this. So does that set forth a design on how many times a week or how many times a month you're supposed to have sex? Nope. That's between you and your your spouse. But statistically... (laughs) I told you I was going to get interesting today. I'm a numbers guy, so... The younger you've been married, the more sex you have. Statistically averaging under 15 years of marriage, it's one to three times a week. At over 15 years, it's two to three. I will tell you this, that married Christians statistically have reported having the best sex, mar- sex or marital, in, not infidelity issues. They have the best sex... Reported statistically, so. That verse does not... Husbands, um, that does not mean you keep a scorecard on how many times that you guys are having marital um, relations. So, I want to talk to just a couple of seconds about the uh, mutual consent. There are times that you, you need to, to um, really just hold off. Um, there are, some of those are medically necessary, especially after pregnancy or surgeries or anything like that. Or if um, someone is... So how do you handle if someone gets military deployed? I mean, that's, these are things that you don't think about when you first get married. You all think it's... Um, Cupcakes and roses, and that you're going to get guys go into it of, woohoo, I get to have uh, sex a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Good luck with that scooter. <laughs> There's a rising thing, though, that, I, that is very concerning to me and to other people uh, in the Christian church. And that's talking about people that um, think it's okay to withhold sex and, and marriage for other reasons that are not biblical. And that's just wrong, guys. I want, I want to tell you that there are some things that I, I've seen in ministry leaders that I've been around um, when you get close enough to people, some people you get close enough to them, they'll talk about their marriage relationship. And there's, there's a couple that, that, without getting too detailed, um, after a long time of sitting with him, I, I talked and him and his wife had not had sex in over four months. That's wrong. Unless you guys have some marriage issues, um, that issue was selfishness. It wasn't anything else. God's designed marriage and the covenant relationship. Um, one of the went to a marriage conference one time. I'm gonna get smacked for this one later. Um, <clears throat> that a uh, a lady spoke at, and she said, "You know, that is one of your spiritual acts of worship." I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna steal that one and use it all the time." <laughs> so. You can try that. doesn't work for me, but you can go ahead. <laughs> there are two things that, that, that cause a lot of issues with people and that, that are, have young kids um, that cause issues within their, their marriage relationship, and that is called co-sleeping. I'm going to get in some people's faces now. Um, that ain't right. You need to get your kids out your marriage bed, and you need to put them in their bed. I understand if they're sick or something and, and you, want, you need to bring them in for just a little bit, but that needs not be a regular thing because that will inhibit your relationship with your spouse. Laziness is not an excuse. Men and women dealing with laziness, we have a lot of people have an issue with pornography that you'd rather look at that smut than act with your, your spouse or watch that and then try to do something with your spouse. I'm going to go there for a second. Bobby, you can talk about that one later if you want to. Um, it needs to be okay for, with both of you before you do something. So, So today I've kind of just went through some, some scripture with you guys and just, and just talked about a little bit, tried to be a little transparent about my relationship and our marriage with, that we had. And uh, I hope you guys got something out of it. In closing, I want to I kind of pull, pull some stuff together here and, and just talk for a minute. We just need to get over ourselves and work together in our marriage. And that's a big together. This doesn't need to be what, what the normal church percentage is, the 20% of the, eight, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It doesn't need to be one spouse does 80% of the work and the other person doesn't. It needs to be a 100-100. You both need to be working as diligently and as hard as you can. 
We all need to ask God today to expose any pride in our hearts and ask Him to forgive that and then ask our spouse to also. It's really easy to ask God. It's more easy to ask God for forgiveness than it is to look your spouse in their eye and go, I have failed you. I am not being what God's called me to be. But I want to stand here today in the gap with you and go, I'm sorry. Let's do this again. Better. Julian. So today, I challenge you guys and I ask you what, which one of those three categories that you were. You were either the uh, two selfish people, one selfish and one servant, or two servants. Every, every spouse is either that selfish lover or servant lover. And a healthy marriage and sex require two servant lovers. I hope that this has been helpful to you to determine which type you are. If you guys want to read um, together one of the books of the Bible that, that talks about when, when Holly and I went through our marriage counseling, um, the guy that did it, Dr. Joe Wiles, um, told us to try to read Song of Solomon together. Um, if you ever want to know what specifically God calls out, says is okay for sex, Read Song Solomon chapter 6, verse 13, verses through 7, 13. That is very graphic and very detailed section of Scripture that will tell you what is okay in your marriage bed. So, guys, I just want you to understand that, that I didn't stand up here today to talk about my marriage and how good it is because I really do fall short a lot. As a husband, I'm not what I should be. I should stand in the gap for my family more than I do. I love my wife. I love my kids. But sometimes it's, God calls us to be more than what we just we think is okay. And husbands, I'm talking to you. You're supposed to be the leader of your house. This is something I'm really dealing with right now. God is telling us, and I've been, talked to Bobby about this about more than six months ago, God has challenged us to be the leaders of our houses and our church. In the South, you don't see a lot of that. If this church would get those two things straight, there's no stopping what the men in leadership and in in this congregation and the women in this congregation can do. We just need to learn to get over ourselves and move past our pride. Let's pray, guys. Dear Father God, Father, we love you today. God, we just ask forgiveness for our pride. God, help us to get over ourselves. Help us to restore our marriages. God, if there's somebody in, there's a relationship in this house or listening online, God, I just need some love from you. I just pray you touch their hearts. Restore that marriage. God, help unify their covenant they have with you. Father God, it's our heart as leaders in this church to see every marriage succeed and strive towards you. God, that's the way you designed it. 
God, we just thank you so much for today. And I just pray that somebody has learned something out of this. In Jesus' name we pray and ask.